Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go once again against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards as we now move into the later half of the month of October. And, Victor, I can't believe it's already the month of October. I think around this office, though, we're going to be sort of sorry to see October in the rearview mirror. Temperature-wise, it feels more like uh, summer, if you ask me. It is unusually hot down here in South Florida these days. Now, we're not complaining. We're used to temperatures in the high 80s, low 90s in the month of October. But the game time heat index for the Miami Dolphins-Chicago Bears game on Sunday was well over 105 degrees. Numerous players said, obviously, the hottest game we've ever played I'm, I'm reading reports that multiple Bear players lost anywhere from 12 to 15 pounds in that particular game. And, man, that's hot. But I'll tell you what, Mark, it's even hotter in the playbook offices these days. October has been a great month for, for you and your service, 3-1 and one in college football on Saturday Outright dog winners on Iowa State, on LSU, on Michigan State. You followed it up with the five-star Pittsburgh Steeler NFL Game of the Month winner, also in outright fashion, over the Cincinnati Bengals. And we haven't even hit the playbook newsletter yet, Mark. Star-rated best bets, 11-1 and the last two weeks. These are the plays in the playbook newsletter that you rate three, four, and five stars. And even if we factor in the upset game, and the NFL totals trend play, that's 14-2 and two in the last two weeks. So guess what? It is hot down here in October, and we're hoping this month continues. We're hoping it does as well, Victor. I know your keen Creole service has also gotten off to a great start this football season. College football, NFL, good winning numbers on both sides of the ledger. And I understand there's a big five-star college Football yeah. game of the month overplay going this weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But uh, all in all, a good time to be on board with us in the month of October, especially like you say down here. The weather's hot, and so too are we. And last week, college football, Victor, I guess it could be termed shakedown Saturday or earthquake Saturday, whatever you want to call it. But there were four teams in the top 10 that lost straight up last week. That now makes the tally seven top 10 teams going down in the past two weeks in college football. But you know something, Victor? I think we've been here and said that and done that before. It seems to be almost a regular occurrence as far as upsets go in the middle of the college football season. Yeah, a lot of people are saying it was a carnage of top 25 teams. Uh, If you factor in the last two weeks particularly, the college football potential playoff list of contenders is starting to thin uh, pretty considerably. Seismic upsets, as you mentioned, on Saturday. The only safe way was probably to get a bye like Clemson last week or maybe even be Alabama. And even the untouchable Crimson Tide came away with a limping Heisman Trophy front runner. But, man, you had second-ranked Georgia blown out by 20 and against LSU. You got sixth-ranked West Virginia. They were easily dispatched by Iowa State, the giant killers of the Big 12 Conference, doing it with a third-string quarterback. We've got the game uh, that we talked about, seventh-ranked Washington, a little bit too cautious at the end of regulation, losing in overtime, a signature win for Mario Cristobal. And even Penn State, you know, they never trailed in that game against Michigan State until 19 seconds were left in the game. And even the winners had to work for it, Mark. Oh, you know, Ohio State, that was not a slam dunk against Minnesota. They didn't pull away to the fourth quarter. Notre Dame, they weren't leading their game against Pitt until less than six minutes remained. A 19-14 to white-knuckling final score. Uh, Texas, they had to survive 
uh, Baylor throwing into the end zone for their last three possessions to hold on for a six-point win. And even Central Florida in that game against Memphis, uh, they were losing at halftime. They finally got two touchdowns in the second half to pull away by just a few points against Memphis. But even the winners didn't, uh, didn't have it very easy last week. No, in fact, by my tally, Victor, uh, last week I saw a total of seven touchdown favorites in college football. That all went down on the scoreboard. Uh, you mentioned Penn State. That's back-to-back losses by the Nittany Lions in which they had leads in the fourth quarter of both of those football games. And as you say, they never trailed Michigan State until under a minute remaining in the contest. So I guess they're scratching their head and uh, finding ways to stay up at night in Happy Valley these days. But, uh, you know, the bottom line here is when push comes to shove, we're going to be talking about the college football playoffs resuming or beginning here in uh, uh, after December when this regular season ends. And uh, somebody mentioned to me, sent me an email in our coffee club, Victor, and asked me how many undefeated teams would I anticipate there being at the end of the regular college football season this year. And, you know, I went back and I looked uh, to research a little bit before I commented, and I was really surprised to see that since 2011, there have only been three undefeated teams in college football. Uh, so these these losses that we're seeing really are not unprecedented. The question here is, is who will remain as the undefeated team or will there be an undefeated team? And my answer to that was, I think just one team will be undefeated and the likelihood of that probably being uh, coming out of, I would say, obviously, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, three teams right. that I'd be stunned, stunned if they didn't make the college football playoffs right now. But, you know, it's really fun right now. Everybody loves upsets. They love to see these top-ranked teams go down, and we're seeing just that. There's also been a bit of a struggle this season in college football, Victor, if you will, for some teams that maybe a lot more was expected from, and they're just flat out not delivering the goods. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a couple on your list of teams in college football that uh, you you see being massive underachievers this year and perhaps maybe even coaching changes in the win because of that. Obviously, if you ask somebody, the first team out of their mouth would have to be Auburn. What, a preseason ranking in the top uh, 10? I think they were nine specifically. A great first win of the season on a neutral field against arguably the best team in the Pac-12 conference in Washington. But since then, 3-3, three and 1-3 three, and three in the SEC, sixth place in the SEC West. And if, if you can manifest a season, it would probably be Saturday's loss against Tennessee. Very poor blocking, bad decision-making by Auburn. A run-heavy offense last year has dipped to only 55% runs. So they're going away from what they used to do very, very well. Now, I know quarterback Jared Stidham, a lot of people are saying first-round NFL pick, he'll be playing on Sundays. But he's actually played much worse this season than he did last year as well. So Auburn has got to be the top of everybody's list. And I would also submit a team like perhaps Wisconsin in the Big Ten Conference, uh, who was also a preseason top 10 team, currently, what, 4-2 and two overall, 2-1 two and one in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, didn't look very, very good in last week's game. And the fact that their, um, their defense is hurting big time, this Wisconsin defense, they're surrendering 6.1 yards per play on defense, on pace to be the most allowed since way back in 1989, the year before. Barry Alvarez arrived and basically changed the entire program. So I would submit those to Auburn and Wisconsin. I would agree with both of those, Victor, and I'd probably even put on the consideration list the Washington Huskies out of the Pac-12 conference. They were picked to not only run the table in the Pac-12 this year, but also they were one of the four choices to make the college football playoffs and perhaps be even undefeated. They, too, like Auburn, uh, has two losses on the seasons right now due to the Washington Huskies, which means for all intents and purposes, we will not see a Pac-12 team in the college football playoffs this year. So they're, they're scratching their head there, obviously, as well. 
you know, you've got obviously some other underachievers here, but the, you know, those, those I'm talking, you know, the likes of Nebraska, UCLA, who are one in 11 combined this year, but, you know, not as much was expected from those teams, perhaps, right. as you mentioned, as, you know, the Auburns of the college football world, uh, the Washington Huskies, the likes of Wisconsin, those likes of those teams. But, you know, something, those three teams, keep an eye on these guys, Auburn, uh, if you will, Wisconsin and Washington, because if they puppy up at any time going out at the end of the football season here, you have to remember this. You've got to put it in your memory bank that they still have tremendous talent on that roster. Maybe it's underachieving a bit so far this football season here, but you know, sometimes good teams are at their best when they're disrespected and they're challenged. So just mark that down. Remember Auburn, Wisconsin, Washington Huskies, anytime they puppy up as dogs, you certainly want to make a case for them moving forward. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things where uh, I'm seeing here, if you will, in the totals tip sheet on the headlines, NFL points per game is now at 48.4 points per game on the season. That's the average or score 48.4 points per game on the season here i would imagine victor that's getting up into record setting total area it certainly was the average points in last weekend's games alone was 50.7 it was the second highest scoring week of the season uh the highest scoring week was 53.4 in week four so again uh, we're six weeks into the season we've already seen two weeks of 50 or more points in the nfl the year-to-date results are now 51 and 42 from an over/under perspective. Uh, not a lot. We're nine games, nine more overs than unders. The again, as you mentioned, 48.4, a very, very high-scoring uh, season as well. Call it what you want. The new era of pro football blitzkrieg, lightning war. The OU lines makers are raising the lines on a weekly basis. We're already about two and a half points higher in terms of the average over-under line here in week six and week seven than in the first week of the season. So, again, we've got some thoughts on this uh, dramatic rise in scoring in the NFL. We've talked about it now for the last few weeks here on the show, and we've got some good stuff in regards to that in this week's Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And while we're at it, Mark, we talked about the over-unders. We may as well talk about uh, another good week for underdogs in the NFL as well. We're currently at 46, 38, and 4 for underdogs on the season. Pretty solid 55%. But just like we've mentioned in the last few podcasts, your best dog uh, play on uh, performance in the NFL for this season, home underdogs, 17, 7, and 1 ATS on the year. Solid percentage, uh, only two of those going this week. And again, the division dogs have done very, very well, like your Pittsburgh play over Cincinnati on Sunday. Division underdogs have gone 16 and 9 ATS, and there are three of those guys going this week. It's the best way to track plays, guys, is to find out when, what's working and what specifically is working. As Victor says, National Football League dogs, the home dogs, are barking, so too are division dogs. So all in all, it's been a pretty good year for underdogs in the National Football League, which largely attributes to our good start in the NFL this year as well. Hey, don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We've got a beauty in the Pac-12 conference. We've got that on tap and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. 
Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence, and we're all set to go against the spread with our college football game of the week on tap this Saturday. It's a beauty in the Pac-12 conference when Oregon, the Mighty Ducks, travel to Pullman to take on Washington State and the Cougars. Victor, your take on this big Pac-12 showdown game on Saturday. Right, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 local time, Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington. Uh, an Oregon Duck team and a Washington State team that are eerily similar across the board in win-loss percentage, points for, points against, and even statistically as well. Of course, both teams are, what, 5-1 and one tied for first in the Pac-12 North Conference. And when I talk about uh, similar, Oregon 258 points on the year, Washington State 251. Oregon, 149 points allowed on the year. Washington State, 143. Uh, Similar numbers statistically. Oregon, 43 points per game on offense. They're number 13 in the country. Washington State's number 15 in the country at 42 points per game. And then finally, in total offensive yardage, Oregon, number 18 in the country, 483 offensive yards per game. And just ahead of them, Washington State, number 17 at 486 yards per game. The only difference between the two, really, is probably their ATS record. Oregon's 3-3 ATS in the season, and Washington State is one of the few perfect ATS uh, teams. They've gone a perfect 6-0 ATS in their six games this season. But we're here for the over-unders, and the over-under line is pretty much right at the number that it opened at, 66.5 points in this game. And with Washington State favored by two and a half to three, that means that based on the point spread and the over-under line, the predicted final score is Washington State 35, Oregon 32. Now, from an over-under perspective, there's been a couple of differences as well. Oregon is three and three over-under on the season. Their average line is 66.3, average score 67.8. You do got to factor in that two of their games uh, in conference play, too, I might add, were in overtime. Uh, their only true road game this season did go over the total. That was at Cal, so they're 1-0 and on the road, Oregon. They've also gone 2-1 over under in conference play. Of course, if it's an Oregon home game, I'm usually going to be all in on the over. But we do got to factor that this is a team that, again, Struggles to score, comparatively speaking, when they go on the road. Their last nine road games, dating back to last year, have gone one and eight over under. Uh, Washington State, meanwhile, air rate is looking very, very well. Five and one over under on the season. Their average line, 56.4. Average score in Washington State games, 65.6. So not only are they five and one, but their average game has actually gone over the total by more than 10 points per game, plus 10.2. Not only that, they're a perfect 3-0 in conference play. They went over by 24 points in their game against USC, over by 2 in their game against Utah, and over by 28.5 in their most recent game against Oregon State. They do come in uh, rested off a bye week. Uh, The series has been pretty high scoring between these two teams, 70% over in the last 10 meetings with the average game going over the total by plus 4.9 points per game. And it's also gone 6-2 and two over under when playing in Pullman. What I like about a potential high-scoring game here is, well, we've got a potential very, very good quarterback matchup in Justin Herbert, who is still one of the few names that kind of slide off the tongue very easily when talking about potential Heisman Trophy candidates the quarterback of Washington. And 
you know, I, I was watching the uh, Washington State-USC game a couple of weeks ago, and the quarterback for Washington State, I'm, th- I'm thinking, this guy is so familiar. Why is his name familiar? And I'm talking about this uh, Gardner Minshaw, and he's the guy who's currently, you know, running air raid in Washington State. Then I finally researched it. This is the guy that was playing for East Carolina. He is a graduate transfer quarterback who has upped his game playing for air raid there at Washington State. He's now thrown for, what, over 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. His adjusted quarterback ranking of 77.7 is by far the highest of his career eclipsing the 54.1 mark that he posted in his last season at East Carolina. So it's all clicking. And I think all with the two quarterbacks, with the offenses, we've got the makings here of a classic Pac-12 shootout mark. The point spread is also a key for us over betters. It's so low, two and a half to three points, that overtime is again a possibility. And it could very well be that what the Third time in four weeks that Oregon potentially plays in an overtime game. Uh, you know what overtime does for overs in college football particularly? It turns them into winners. So we're looking for a high-scoring game here somewhere in the, oh, 38 to 35, 41 to 38 range. Either way, it should be a high-scoring game. I think there's still some value on the over, and that's the way we're going with this week. Victor goes over the total in the Oregon-Washington State shootout in the Pac-12 this weekend, a matchup of two pretty good quarterbacks, as he mentioned. Justin Herbert from Oregon, a Heisman Trophy candidate. We saw John Elway in attendance scouting their game last week, and John Elway had that look about him that he may be zeroing in on Justin Herbert in next year's NFL football draft because the Denver Broncos need a quarterback. Uh, the Washington State Huskies, football team this year. They've turned around here. They had the unfortunate loss of Tyler Holinsky in the offseason who committed suicide and took his death, but this football team is really focused and dedicating itself to Holinsky this season here. Gardner Minshew, the quarterback at Washington State, who Victor mentioned, transferred from East Carolina. We call him Ginsu Minshew in the playbook newsletter here. He's really, really lighted things up here under the guidance, if you will, of Mike Leach at Washington State. The Huskies come into this contest here, have cashed eight straight games in a row in their series with Oregon. They've also won 10 straight home games in a row. And if you go back and you look, that's the longest home win streak by Washington State since World War II. Uh, Back in uh, World War II, they uh, had, had won 10 games in a row at home, but that was over the course of the war when it spread out from 1941 to 1946, but still 10 straight home wins for Washington State. They're playing with a lot of momentum here these days. Oregon comes into this football game playing with revenge from their only home loss of the season last year when Washington State went into Oregon and pulled the rug out on them. Unfortunately for Oregon, they're just 1-4 and four to the spread their last five road games when seeking revenge. Uh, they're also up to number 12 in the polls this football season here. Bottom line to me here, guys, is Washington State's playing their best football and they're a dedicated, focused football team with the Tyler Helensky situation being the driving force for this program here. I'm going to stay at home with Washington State in the game to take down Oregon and make themselves the team to beat in the Pac-12 conference, make it Washington State, not Washington, as the team to beat in the Pac-12 conference this football season. Hey, don't go away, guys. And when we come back, Victor and I, we're going to focus in on our NFL game of the week. They call it the greatest rivalry in the history of the National Football League. We're going to tear that game down and hop out to Las Vegas and check in with Andy Isco for the Vegas Five when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. 
the only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence against the spread, along with Victor King. And let's hop out to our NFL game of the week. We've got on tap going this Sunday. And as I mentioned, when ESPN calls it the greatest rivalry in the history of the National Football League. And it takes place in Landover, Maryland on Sunday when the Washington Redskins play host to the Dallas Cowboys. The two hated rivals will take on each other this Sunday. Victor, how do you see the over-under shaking out between the Cowboys and the Redskins this week? Well, Mark, we liked the over in a college football game, Oregon-Washington State. And despite the line movement, I'm liking the over in this game as well. You know, last week, we used our free play of the week on the Dallas-Jacksonville game over the total. It was the game in the NFL last week that had the lowest over-under line. It did go all the way down to 39.5. And, and, yeah, we only got seven out of Jacksonville, but we got 40 out of Dallas in that game. The game ended up cashing three minutes into the fourth quarter. So for those of us who joined us last week, they did cash a nice late afternoon winner And, yeah, we're going there again in this particular game as well. And once again, a Dallas Cowboy game has the lowest over-under line of the season. This one opened at 42. It's come down somewhere in the range of 41.5. There's even a couple of 41s out there as we record the show on Wednesday morning. And we're getting into key over-under range here. So I'm going to recommend that you find a line of 40 and a half or lower before you make your play. I say that because even in this day in the NFL of the high scoring, 41 is still a key number. I wrote about this two weeks ago in the totals tip sheet. In the last five seasons, the new key over under numbers in the NFL, the five most popular scoring outcome numbers have been 44, 43, 47, 41, and 51. So even these days, the number of 41 is a key number in the NFL. So if you'd like the game over the total and the number is somewhere around 41, you want to either buy it down or wait for the line to fall under 41 before making your play. And of course, if you like a game under the total, you do just the opposite. You wait for the game to go up to 41 and a half or buy it up there and then play to that line. So We're right around that key number range in this game, somewhere around 41, 41 and a half on Wednesday morning. I anticipate the line going down a little bit more so we can hold off on making our move until the line is slightly more uh, advantageous. And again, this one worked for us last week. We can't ignore the fact that this has been a very high-scoring series. Each of the last five meetings have gone over the total. Both of last year's meetings between these two teams totaled 52 points. That's about 10 points higher than the current over-under line, giving us a little bit of series history value. And, of course, we've got the week of rest upcoming for the Cowboys. We note that NFC East division teams before their bye week have gone 7-0 to the over in the last three years when the over-under is 40 or more points. I also wrote about this in the total stip sheet. Teams before their bye this season have done very, very well in regards to overs. Also, uh, we mentioned the low over-under line. It opened at 42, which is pretty low in this particular division. Uh, week 11 or less, NFC East division games, 9-1-1 one, one over-under. When the host is favored by less than 10 in the game, and that is the case, the Redskins are favored by, what, one and a half to two points, and the over-under line is less than 44 points. So, again, we got some good numbers from the daddy ba- database that suggest that perhaps uh, the over is the play in this particular game. I've got one more stat here. The fact that uh, we note that the last two years, NFL home teams playing off a home underdog win 
in their last game have gone a perfect 6-0 to the over in their next game. That applies to Washington, who were actually a home underdog last week against the Carolina Panthers and cashed that game 23-17. to So for the second week in a row, we're going to be zigging while others are zagging, and we'll be going over the total in the Cowboys-Redskins game. Put an asterisk next to it, your optimum number, 40.5 or less. Victor looking for 40 and a half for the total in the Cowboys Redskins game on Sunday. If he sees it, he's going over the total in that football game. As I mentioned here, this rivalry matchup is a good one this year. You find four teams in the NFC East uh, playing this, uh, this season here. Three of them have three wins. One of them being Washington, who's three and two atop the NFC East Dallas and Philadelphia each at three and three. So this becomes a key pivotal game for both of these football teams. Uh, you take a look at the history of this series here. The Dallas Cowboys jump right off the page. They've been as underdogs in this series here. The last 22 times they've been the underdog, they've won 14 of those games straight up, going 18-4 and four against the spread. And in fact, when they've been an underdog without a winning record at 500 or less, Dallas is 12-3 and three straight up and 14-1 and one against the spread. So this role fits them like a glove. Dallas brings a strong rushing offense into this football game as well. They're averaging 5.1 yards per rush on the offense, which fits nicely into the Washington rush defense, which allows 4.1 yards per carry defensively. So you got a what we call a 4 by 4 running dog, which is really nice in division football games. The Washington Redskins have also struggled, if you will, as division home favorites in win situations, laying less than four points at home in division games. Washington is just 6-16, six and 16, both straight up and against the spread in this particular role. The bottom line to me as I look at this football game, and I'm looking at the midweek alert newsletter this week, our statistical newsletter, and what do I see in the Dallas Cowboys? I see the team's number two ranked uh, team in scoring defense, number four overall ranked defense in the National Football League, the number two ranked rushing offense and a top 10 ranked rushing defense. That's all nice, if you will, components to bring to the table for an underdog in a football game. And with that, I'll play the Dallas Cowboys plus the points against Washington for my side in this big rivalry showdown on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of the most popular segments on the show as we get the Vegas vibe from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, how's everything going for you this football season in Las Vegas? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, because the temperatures dropped about 30 degrees in the last (laughs) week, and it feels like uh, late November at this point. but otherwise, things are going very, very well. The chill in the air is kind of nice, but uh, we've got uh, some nice football uh, to keep us all warm. Well, it sounds like, Andy, you went from uh, triple digits to, uh, like you say, November weather there in a, in a blink of an eye in Vegas here. Don't you usually get a little bit of a, a window where you have some great weather, That's uh, weather that you really look forward to each and every year? Yeah, the uh, usually the time from around mid-September through the uh, the early part of November is probably the most ideal time of the year for doing a lot of outdoor activities as the year starts to wind down, golfing and hiking and uh, things like that. But uh, it sort of came in a very uh, very quick fell swoop as far as the temperature drop. It's going to get back to normal, but uh, it's a good time to be out here. And of course, uh, all the sports, the NBA starting uh, last night and college basketball starting about as early as I can ever remember with well, that'll be here in just a, in just a few weeks. Uh, so a lot going on baseball season, winding down and sports books filled with plenty of traffic, plenty of action, plenty of, uh, plenty of screaming on each and every play. You mentioned college basketball, Andy, it reminds me, I've got to order my blue ribbon basketball yearbook. That's an absolute must have, uh, when preparing for the basketball season. So I'll call our friends over at the gamblers book club, when we get done with the show today, in fact, and see if I can get a copy out my way to get ready for the basketball season here. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And as we like to say, Andy explains the unexplainable each and every week in his football newsletter here. Andy and I, I know this week in the football newsletter here, we're talking about the midseason report in college football, which is where we're at right now, midseason in college football. And as you like to do, you like to break down the underachievers and the overachievers, but not exactly 
from what we see on the surface. And if you can, if you could explain that, if you would, about how you break down underachievers and overachievers in college football at midway in the season. Well, Mark, I do it basically on a power ratings uh, or from a power ratings perspective. I think most of us as handicappers and bettors uh, keep power ratings, use different methodologies for updating them, making sure that they're as accurate as possible. What I do at this point in the season is sort of get an overview as to which teams have shown the greatest improvement in their power ratings from the start of the season and which teams have shown uh, the greatest decline. For example, it should really be no surprise that uh, actually my number one teams as far as the decline is concerned are the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, This team has really uh, regressed. Uh, Lamar Jackson no longer there at quarterback and uh, Bobby Petrino having to really retool both sides of the football. And as a result, Louisville has been one of the biggest underperformance of the season. Now, as far as the biggest uh, overachiever, or let's say the team showing the greatest improvement, it might come as a surprise, but it's based strictly on the numbers, and that's the Ball State Cardinals down out of uh, the Mid-American Conference. Their numbers have shown the greatest improvement since the start of the season. They're not a very, very good team. Uh, They're probably average at best, but they started from such a low point that they've had a great deal of success in showing steady improvement by being more competitive in their losses than perhaps we would have expected. One thing I do, and I'll pass this along as sort of a little bit of a handicapping tip that I think uh, the listeners might find useful, takes a bit of work, not an extraordinary amount of work. It's time-consuming more than difficult work. And that is when you get your your rotation schedules or when you get the docs book or however you want to do it, take a look over the months that that you're able to uh, in the summer going ahead and put in what the – what your power ratings would would say the line should be as if the game were being the first game played between those teams. So you go back and let's say you have, let's say you put your pay, your power ratings together for the coming season on August 15th, you know, usually about 10 days to two weeks before the first college games, go through the schedule, go through whatever materials you have that chart the teams and make lines on every game. So that when you get to this point in the season, you could see, Oh, based upon my numbers, this team would have been a five point favorite over this opponent. And now because of the way these teams have played through their first five, six, seven games, the line, instead of being uh, minus five should be minus 13. And you compare that perhaps to the, uh, current line that's available for the game this week, or if it was made available at the uh, time, uh, usually in June and July, when they have the the games of the week, the future games like Tony Miller does down at the Golden Nugget and other places, you could see how much your perception changes the start of the season versus what the bookmakers thought the change has been. That's a great insight. I call it adjustment handicapping, and I do a lot of the same thing. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, maybe not to take the time that you do in depth of power rating every team at the beginning of the season and marking them down, but uh, looking from a week-to-week basis here, we called this out in the Playbook newsletter this week about the line adjustments that have been made from what Tony Miller's Games of the Year plays at the Golden Nugget and at the South Point were before the season began as opposed to what's being offered up on an each individual week basis. And, uh, you know, one of the games that jumped off the page to me was the Michigan-Michigan State game this week, where at the South Point, uh, before the season began, had Michigan State as a one-point favorite in the football game. I think uh, Westgate might have had uh, Michigan minus one, but the bottom line here is there's been a, a, a touchdown adjustment adjustment made in a football game like this. So the bottom line in shaking it all down is you ask yourself, okay, what has happened over the course of the season uh, to make this line adjustment uh, noteworthy, uh, to justify that that noteworthy thing? So the, uh, what you're doing, I really love doing that. Uh, uh, these midseason report updates of underachievers and overachievers and uh, also keeping an eye or pulse on how these lines are being adjusted on a weekly basis. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, as we do each and every week, getting the Vegas vibe and finding out what's going on in Las Vegas. And Andy, we know what's going on in Vegas, as we do every week, with the Westgate Superbook Contest, both the Classic and the Gold Contest, and also uh, the Ultimate Contest taking place at the Golden Nugget this week. And if you would, if you'd be so kind, maybe give our listeners an update of what happened in the contest last week. 
Sure, Mark. Starting with the uh, Super Contest and Super Contest Gold, usually for the Super Contest Gold, I just report on the leaders and how the consensus has fared. It's a very limited contest, about 125 entries, but it's a very expensive contest. The contestants put up $5,000, make five picks a week against the point spread, which is a static point spread that comes out on Wednesday afternoons, does not change even as the betting action on the games themselves change, and it's a winner-take-all, so uh, the winner this year is going to get over 600 $100,000 a field of 125 and right now the leader is at 19.8 and 3 which is 20 and a half out of a possible 30 points which equates to a 68.3% winning percentage. In fact, there are 22 contestants, so about a fifth of the field roughly at 18 points or more, which translates to 60% or more in that exclusive contest. The consensus last week was 1-3-1, and one. so for the year, the consensus in the Super Contest Gold is 13-4-3 for a total of 14.5 points, slightly below 500 for those 120-plus contestants. Now, in the main contest, what they're now calling the Super Contest Classic, which is the one that goes back about 30 years, that's the one that has over 3,100 entries this year. They put up $1,500, pays 100 places. The consensus continues to struggle, and last week the consensus was 1-4. The lone winner out of the consensus uh, was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were actually the number one selection, about a third of the field just over 1,000, in fact, slightly under 1,100 of the contestants actually used the Steelers as one of their five selections. The other selections all came up short, including the New England Patriots leading that, excuse me, laying that three and a hook and winning by three over Kansas City in what may end up being the most entertaining game of the NFL season when it's all said and done. Also, the losers in the consensus, the Jacksonville Jaguars losing out uh, losing outright to the Dallas Cowboys. They were the third selection. The Chicago Bears as a three-point favorite, and of course, that line came out before all the news about Ryan Tannehill missing the game, which developed on Sunday morning, and notwithstanding that, with the line went to minus seven by the Bears. Bears lose outright in overtime. That was the fourth most popular selection and the fifth most popular selection last week. The Indianapolis Colts getting two and a half points from the New York Jets. That uh, that selection lost uh, uh, by a, a margin of more than a touchdown. So for the year, the consensus now 12 and 18. That's 40 percent. For the season, when the, when the majority of the players have been on the favorite in the game, that is 21, 29, and 4 for the season, those selections. When the consensus play, when the more popular side of the game is the underdog, that's slightly ahead of 500. That's 19 and 18, and the field was correct in the one game that had a pick em line. So overall for the year, below 500 for the field as a whole, 41 correct selections, 47 incorrect selections, and five of the games ended up in a point spread tie. Uh, the leader in this contest was one contestant who has 23, 6, and 1. That's 23.5 out of a possible 30 points. That's 78.3 winning percentage. That will drop, although we've had, had years uh, a few years ago when the winner after the 85 selections, the 70, 17 weeks, was in that neighborhood of slightly under 80%. Just a spectacular achievement. Let's see if that can hold up. Total of 54 contestants are hitting 70% or more, which equates to 21 or more points in the Super Contest Classic. As far as the Golden Nugget Contest goes, we now have a tie atop the leaderboard. There are two contestants. This contest includes college and pro football games, NFL games, I should say, because let's not short uh, the Canadian Football League. It's a professional sport, but not included in any of the contests here. The two contestants uh, are tied at 30, 11, and 1. That's 30 and a half out of a possible 42 points. That's a 72.6 winning percentage. Those two contestants have a half-point lead over two other contestants who are tied at 30. In all, 31 of the more than 300 contestants have 27 or more points, so those 31 contestants, this contest pays the top 10 finishers. 64.3% is the record of those who have at least 27 or more points, and in this contest, there are seven selections that are made per week against a contest line that also comes out mid-afternoon Pacific time uh, at uh, the Golden Nugget. Sounds like some good winning percentages going on in both of those contests, the Classic, the Gold at the Westgate, and also our friend Tony Miller at the Golden Nugget as well. 
But like Andy says, we're about the midway point of the college football season here. So we'll see how these things all shake out between now and seasons. And we generally find those win percentages diminish a little bit rather than improve uh, over the course just because of exposure and playing more games as opposed to fewer games. But a great overview from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before I hand it over to Victor, where the question he's got on the show this week, uh, there's been some line moves from the lines that were sent out by Jay Cornegay at the Westgate last week to this week in the National Football League. Anything noteworthy in your mind that you think is worth mentioning on the show this week? Yes, a few of them, and I'll start with the first game on Sunday, which is the early morning game. Keep that in mind. This is a 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time start from London. The Tennessee Titans taking on the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Prior to this week's action, Again, just for those who are joining us for perhaps the first time, the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas puts up advanced lines about 12 days before the games are played. So the games for this week were put up a week ago Tuesday before even the Thursday night game has been played and certainly before the Sunday-Monday games have been played. The Los Angeles Chargers were installed as a three-point favorite over the Tennessee Titans. And of course, when I put these lines, when I mentioned these lines, these are actual lines that people go in and make wagers on in anticipation of what may happen to the line when the intervening week's games are played and the new lines come out Sunday night, Monday morning. Well, we saw the Tennessee Titans put in one of the most ugly performances of the year in being shut out at home, 21-0 by the Baltimore Ravens. And meanwhile, the L.A. Chargers, following up an impressive win over the Oakland Raiders uh, last week, uh, did the same thing in Cleveland, handily beating the Cleveland Browns, the Browns' worst performance of the year. The Browns have been extremely competitive in every game leading up to the 38-14 loss to the Chargers. So this was a huge adjustment, one of the largest ones that I can remember that was not really affected by injury. Instead of a three-point favorite, it has been available most of last week. When the game came up Sunday evening, six points. The Chargers were a six-point neutral site favorite, and they were quickly bet up to where they remain as six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Titans. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to host the Cleveland Browns. Of course, Tampa Bay put in a game but losing effort in Atlanta. Cleveland blown out last week, as just noted, at home by the uh, Chargers. And this game last week had Tampa Bay as a slight one-and-a-half-point favorite when the adjusted line came out, or the revised line came out, if you will, Sunday evening. Tampa Bay was made a two-and-a-half-point favorite, quickly bet up to a three-point favorite at home over the Cleveland Browns. Carolina at Philadelphia. Carolina, a competitive loss in Washington. And, of course, Philadelphia blew out the New York Giants on the road uh, last Thursday night. The Eagles had been a three-point favorite uh, when these advanced lines came up. When they came up again on Sunday after the uh, Carolina action, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were three-and-a-half-point favorites. And that was bet up as a little higher to four-and-a-half, going over a somewhat key number of four. New Orleans at Baltimore. Uh, New Orleans, of course, uh, uh, had their bye last week following their Monday night game against the uh, Washington Redskins. The Baltimore Ravens had that impressive 21-0 road win at Tennessee. Prior to last week's action, this game was a pick'em. Nothing to note for New Orleans. They didn't play, but the Baltimore Ravens with that impressive effort. Instead of pick them, this game opened with Baltimore a two-point home favorite, and that was bet up to the Ravens now a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. And the final one worth noting, the a game that had originally been scheduled for Sunday night and has now been flexed back to a, a daytime game, the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams in their third straight competitive game. Uh, they uh, had that... Thursday night, seven-point win over Minnesota. And then, of course, the games against Seattle and Denver that were both decided by under a field goal. And the San Francisco 49ers, of course, uh, coming off of their effort Monday night against the Green Bay Packers. Last week, the Rams were bettable at 12.5-point road favorites. Well, after uh, their struggles in Denver, I wouldn't, well, maybe struggles is the wrong word. They were in control of that game as far as winning the game was concerned, but as far as covering the point spread, well, it took a late uh, Denver touchdown to give the Broncos the money. Of course, the 49ers had yet to play. So instead of a 12.5-point uh, road favorite, the Rams were made 11-point road favorites, bet down to 10.5 before the game was taken off the boards on Monday night. And then after the 49ers put in that game effort against the Packers, when the uh, game came up Tuesday morning, there was a further adjustment 
the Rams down to a 10-point favorite. That has since been bet down to the Rams favored by just 9.5. So ultimately, the results of those two games, a field goal adjustment crossing the key number of 10. A great update of the line moves that have happened in Las Vegas from our good friend Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com at the Westgate Superbook. Uh, a report as Danny does each and every week. And now, Victor, I know you've been waiting for a question to ask Andy on the show this week. Let's roll the drums, if you would, your question for Andy on the show. I certainly do. Andy, I want to talk about the NFL primetime games. We know that there's a tendency out there for the Joe public guy to bet his favorites in the TV games that are shown at night. But even more than that, they love their overs in those TV games. They love watching both teams going up and down the field scoring a lot of points and this was a really good week for those over betters it was the first week of the season in which all three primetime games went over the total with 83 points scored in the sunday night game between the patriots and the chiefs and a surprising 63 points scored in the monday night game between the packers and the 49ers so andy how does this affect the books in vegas was it a good week overall did they give some back in these Monday night games? Or perhaps it was right around even with the fact that the underdogs came in, particularly on Sunday night and Monday night. You know, I think this is a trend that we've seen over the last several years. In general, we've seen a lot of higher scoring games than we had, say, even five years ago. The NFL certainly loves it. The rules are designed for uh, plenty of offense at the expense of uh, what we used to refer to as hard-hitting defense. Uh, certainly with the advent and the approval by the NFL of fantasy leagues, we want to see more offensive players uh, get credit, get in the action, accumulate numbers, and generate additional interest. Of course, the worst result for the book generally will be when the favored wins and covers and the game goes over the total. And I think that what we're seeing, for example, even this coming week, a primetime game on Sunday. Originally, the Rams at the 49ers was slated to be the Sunday night game. And with the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo and the poor record fashioned by the 49ers and the, dec the decrease generally in their offense when the decisions were made, the NFL made the decision to, let's say, uh, the uh, Cincinnati at Kansas City game featuring a lot of offense by both teams, a Kansas City defense, which has been relatively permissive. So I think that as we see going forward, we probably will see this continue because of the NFL's ability to flex out games, which uh, I was actually surprised that it started this early in the season. They usually started around Thanksgiving in years past, but the NFL realizing the additional fan base that it has due to not just the widespread uh, approval of gambling across, of betting on sports across the United States, but the uh, the increased acceptance and enthusiasm with which fantasy football is held, that the offense sells. Defense pleases the the, uh, uh, the true diehards of football going back many years, but offense is what sells, attracts the eyeballs, especially those of the casual fans. So I think it's going to continue. And then the question is just going to be, how much of an adjustment will the lines makers make for these primetime games if the uh, uh, favorites continue to cover. Now, let's pa this past Sunday night was an interesting situation because the Kansas City Chiefs were actually a very popular public underdog getting the three and a half against the Patriots. So the underdog actually covered with the game going over. We saw that again on Monday night with the underdog San Francisco 49ers covering that big point spread and the game's going over. So I think uh, the answer to Victor's question is really the lines makers are probably more concerned about setting proper totals than they are for the point spreads, and of course, a lot of the action, certainly out here in Las Vegas, come from the public parlaying either team to the over. Well, I'm sure we've not seen the last of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs this football season, as long as the National Football League continues to use its option to flex football games. We're going to be seeing a lot more of the Kansas City masterpiece here throughout the end of the National Football League season this year. And Andy, before I let you go on the show this week, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap in the NFL this week. You were spot on with the Seattle Seahawks in their trip to London last week. What are you looking at on this weekend's football card? I'm going to look at the game between the New England Patriots and the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm looking across the board and I'm seeing the New England Patriots either a three-point favorite laying minus 120 instead of minus 110 as the VIG or minus three and a half. So certainly if you like the Bears in the game, you can get plus three and a half. If you like the Patriots, 
you can lay minus three, but you have to do so at the cost of an added dime, an added 10 cents. And I'm going to lay that price with the uh, Chicago, excuse me, with the New England Patriots against the Bears. Once again, we have an untested or an unproven young quarterback going up against Bill Belichick and his defense. At the same time, we have a Patriots offense that is continuing to click as uh, Edelman gets more integrated into the offense upon his return from suspension a few weeks ago. Uh, Josh Gordon becomes more of a valuable piece of the offense. The running game is improving. Uh, Chicago suffered a tough loss last week, and the defense really did not play well for the first time this season. I would think Bill Belichick and his coaching staff will be able to look at some of those vulnerabilities that the Bears displayed. And at the same time, uh, he did as good a job for most part of the game in in containing Patrick Mahomes. Mitchell Trubisky of the Bears, not quite as polished, not quite as further along in his development as is Mahomes. I think Belichick's defense will have more success going up against uh, Trubisky than they did against Mahomes Sunday night. Look for the Patriots to continue their fine offense. Khalil Mack, yes, a difference maker, but uh, he won't be able to do it alone against the New England offense. I'm going to look for the Patriots to win. Uh, let's be conservative and say a 7-10 to 10 point game, but I think the Patriots are in a good spot this week going on the road and uh, facing a team that has to be questioning some of the decisions that they made last week, especially in late-game situations. Andy likes the New England Patriots, Tom Brady over Mitchell Trubisky. In that matchup on Sunday, he'll lay the points with the Pats for his play on the show this week. Once again, Andy, a great job on the show. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week in the football scene, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to go out, put my fleece on so I'm ready for the upcoming weekend (laughs) and uh, stock up on uh, plenty of goodies to uh, watch all the action and really all four of the major sports that will be played over the next several days. Well, best of luck this weekend to Andy, as always. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, guys, don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to put the final segment. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. When we're back here soon, I'm Mark Lawrence against the spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week. We call it Circle of Life. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football road favorite that comes in off a straight-up home underdog win if they're taking on an opponent that comes in off a straight-up underdog win. The Circle of Life plays by playing against these conference road favorites have gone 27-8 and eight against the spread. That's a 77% point spread winning play. This week, we'll be playing against Eastern Michigan and using Ball State, one of Andy's plays that he outlined in his college football underachieving plays this football season here. Play Ball State as our circle of life, awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. And Victor, if you would, your complimentary play for our listeners on the show. Absolutely, Mark. We've got the college football over-unders this season at 11-5. and five. Very nicely done. And we've got our first five-star play of the young season. It's our five-star over of the month in college football. It will be going on Saturday and available at playbook.com. We'll probably post it on the website sometime on Thursday. Our free play of the week is a game that I was working on the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter on Tuesday. And uh, it's the Rams 49ers game, and it's under the total. And I immediately jumped all over this game, or in this case, all under this game, 
when the lines were finalized on Tuesday morning, the Rams opening up as that big 11-point favorite Andy just talked about and the fact that the over-under line opened at 53 as well. It's down to 52.5. I'm not surprised. We wrote about it in the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And the fact that whenever I see a game in the NFL in which the road team is favored by more than a touchdown, you must immediately bet that game under the total. It makes a lot of sense from a game script or a game flow perspective. you got a obviously superior team on the road, favored by more than a touchdown. This team gets out to an early lead. Maybe they're up by 10 to 14 points by the half. Once we get into the second and a half, all they're concerned about is getting away with a victory. They play offense very conservatively. They run the ball a lot. They eat up the clock. They want to get out of there with a big win and not take a lot of chances on offense. This game makes perfect sense. And from the database, the numbers confirm how we feel about game script and game flow. Since 2012, NFL big road favorites of greater than seven points have gone 8-39 and 39 over under. That's 83% under the total. In game 15 or less, these games have gone 7-35 and 35 over under. And in the last three years, 1-17. That's only one over and 17 unders when a team is favored on the road by more than seven points like the Rams are. And uh, we can see a very similar thing as last week when the Rams were a touchdown favorite on the road against the Denver Broncos. Final score was 23-20, to 20, went under by six to seven points. The exact same thing should happen this week, particularly in a division game where you don't want to rub it in. You're going to be facing that division foe later on in the season again. Now, I know that the Niners were just in a Monday night shootout against the Green Bay Packers. I understand that. However, our database reveals that since 2004, NFL teams off a straight-up road loss but an ATS win in which they scored and allowed 30 or more points, like the Niners, have gone 2-13-2 over under. And already this season, NFL teams playing at home off a Monday road game, that's a short work week for the 49ers, have gone a perfect 0-6 over under. This one immediately jumped into us as we were working on the totals tip sheet. Friend of the show, Kevin O'Neill, emailed me on Tuesday morning going, you see what the point spread in this game? You know where we're going. I totally agreed with Kevin. Rams 49ers under the total. We'll have multiple NFL overs this week at playbook.com, including our five-star college game of the month, Mark, which also is an over. It's our over the total weekend but in this particular game, we're going under. Victor goes under the total in the Rams 49ers game for his complimentary call on the football show this week. And be sure to get on board with his huge five-star college football game of the month on Saturday. It's a big overplay you'll want to have on your ticket. Check it out. King Creel Sports this weekend at playbook.com. Speaking about playbook.com, there's still time to get on board to get your $100 in free playbook tokens if you haven't done so yet. Simply log on at playbook.com, click on the Get Tokens link, and put $100 in free playbook tokens into your account. And while you're at it, you might want to sign up for our $99 football weekend of winners once again this weekend. We've been on a nice winning run here of late 23-10 and 10 on our late phone football plays here of late We'll be releasing our college football underdog game of the month part of this package. You can get it at playbook.com or call my office toll-free to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, we're going to go to the Playbook Football Newsletter. It's our upset special on the football card this week in the Playbook Newsletter. We're going to play Maryland plus the points against Iowa this week. This is a combination of two factors coming together in the same game. Maryland, the football team, vastly underrated this year. They're outstanding their opponents 50 yards a game on the season. 
They bring the number 16 ranked defense in all of college football, allowing just 316 points per game. They also are tied for the top spot in red zone offense this year. Maryland, a well-balanced football team. They run the ball for 245 yards a game at 6.0 yards per carry. That's two two full yards better, I should say, than Iowa, who runs it at four yards a carry. Take a look at Iowa, guys. Inside this Iowa football team, they've been upset 10 times the last 10 years as touchdown favorites or more. Means that they average at least one a year, and I think that one happens this week with Maryland upending Iowa. It's homecoming week for Iowa this weekend, and going back and looking the last four years, five years at Iowa and homecoming football games, they relish homecoming at Iowa. They do parades, they have parties, they do everything, and they don't put their put their focus on their games for homecoming. Last year, they were out yarded by Illinois, lowly Illinois. Two years ago, they lost a homecoming game as straight up as 11-point favorites against Northwestern. Three years prior to that, they were once again out-yarded by Illinois in a win-no-cover. And four years ago, they were also out-yarded by Indiana. The football team clearly does not focus for homecoming games. We're going to make Maryland plus the points for our complimentary play on the football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank Victor King, our co-host from King Creole Sports, for a great job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us, as he always does, from Las Vegas for another outstanding job. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.